it also felt really good because it had sort of validated a 12-year a rowing career that I, I had had this goal of, of training in the Olympics or training for and then rowing in the Olympics for over half of that career, I would say. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was super cool. Um, obviously, all the fanfare, the gear, all that stuff uh, was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then we go down the race course on, on the day of the final and we don't have our best row and, and then it's fourth place. And then it's like very different. Uh, right. it was, it was kind of a, frankly, it was a failure. I, I thought, I felt like it was a failure when I crossed the finish line, we were fourth because by all counts, we could have meddled. We had the personnel, we had the power, we had all this stuff. The one stat that we didn't have was age and experience. And that goes a long way yeah. in the sport. <laughs> You're an Olympic rower, your podcast, your real estate agent, tons more. Thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Man, Eric, I appreciate you having me on. It's an honor to be here. I would like to go back with my shows. Like, where did you grow up? What was childhood like for you? Gosh, uh, I would I would say it was pretty, pretty normal, pretty standard childhood by all counts. Um, I was uh, raised kind of upper middle class, I guess, in a in a pretty nice you know neighborhood. Most of the time, both parents at home. I uh, got to do all the activities. Had a younger sister. I uh, had a lot of good friends and, you know, the, the, that's normally where, you know, the, the movie takes it into a different direction, right? It all seemed well. And then something happened, right? right. But no, I had a really supportive childhood. I, uh, my biggest hurdle as a young person was my, my learning disability. I really struggled in school, like spelling and long division and all that stuff, like, you know, second, third, fourth grade, that was really, really tough for me. Mm. Um, and obviously at that age, kids are ruthless and they make fun of you and it hurts your self-esteem and all that kind of stuff. Totally. Fortunately, I had a, uh, a program at, at the school. I, I was at a private school. Um, they had a program and the teacher recognized that I could probably be benefited from this program. So I ended up getting put into the like special program, which again, not really good for the, for the psyche and for the <laughs> reputation with sure. all the other kids. But, um, absolutely was the right the right call and the right decision and uh sort of on the 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 positive side here I was a really good athlete by all counts okay I grew really late um, but I was always pretty fast I was always very competitive I always wanted to play sports and uh a lot of the other kids hit puberty before I did but then I later will get into this but I caught up to them <laughs> right yeah oh that's awesome man who would you say was your biggest influence as a kid Man, biggest influence. Um, well, definitely both my parents. Yeah. Uh, for a variety of reasons, because they were, you know, they're the first influence you see. Um, yeah. But yeah, big, uh, big. You know, I had a variety of family members. I can't say that I had one in particular. I mean, I liked. You know, my dad was a at the once I kind of became conscious of this. My dad was an attorney, and he worked for himself. My okay. mom was a dentist, uh, owned her own practice and sold it by, I think when I was 10 to be a stay at home. And, you know, so I learned different things from them and then my grandfathers yeah. and, you know, all those types of people. So I guess I had a lot of different influences through family, I, yeah. I guess is, is how I would answer that question. No, that's perfect. And, and, you know, like I mentioned, you're an Olympic rower. Rowing is such a physical and intense sports you have to be in sync with your teammates at all times well what about row what about rowing drew you to the sport okay um so 
we started it as a family activity oh, okay. to to do as a, the four of us uh, during the summer and it was just kind of a fun thing to try because yeah. in seattle for anyone who's ever been there there's water every, almost everywhere you can see and, yeah. and rowing a lot of rowing happens on that water so it's very visible as opposed to other cities in america where it's not as visible um so people knew about it and we started it as like a fun family thing for you know afternoons during the summer and um did that a little bit and then i got kind of roped into the the uh the junior program for the summer and then i and then i did the fall program because i was not playing a sport at that time again going back to the i grew late thing yeah basketball football i played it all and then i was good in fourth fifth grade and then everyone grew and when you're trying to tackle someone and you're the smallest and the oldest kid it doesn't work so well right um so uh, so I grew out of all of that and and found rowing because I said, hey, it's not contact. It's based on, you know, team effort and working together and all that stuff. Let's give this a shot. And I really didn't like it in the beginning. I, I really thought about quitting multiple times, in fact, um, because as you know, I've seen you on Instagram rowing, man, like yeah. it's grueling. You get on that machine and it can just eat your soul if you let it. Totally. And uh, it was doing that to me the first, you know, the first year. But luckily, all the older kids um, and my coach saw that I was good and I, I could be good and they encouraged me to kept, keep going. So I did. And then that first race uh, in the spring. So you, you, you start in the fall um, and you go all the way through the winter and it's all dark and stormy and stuff. And then you get out of the, and then it starts to get lighter and it's a little warmer out and it's all nice. And then you go race. And that's when the fun happens in the sport. And, and my, the race I can remember was the first one was a thousand meters on Green Lake which is a, a small lake in, in the Seattle area. Yeah. And uh, it was like the, the fall, the frostbite regatta or something aptly named because it's so dang cold. Um, but our boat was like in this back and forth battle down the, down the race course and something clicked with our boat in like the last little bit. And we, we surged ahead and won. And like, that was the moment I, I got the sport. And then from then on, it was just, you know, game over. It was all rowing all the time. Yeah. Well, and then you end up competing in the men's, eight rowing event at the 2016 summer olympics usa came in fourth that year uh what was that olympic we were like for you though leading up to the race it was sort of a surreal um it felt it it also felt really good because it had sort of validated a a 12-year rowing career that i i had had this goal of, of training in the olympics or training for and then rowing in the olympics for over half of that career, I would say. And, um, you know, that was super cool. Um, obviously all the fanfare, the gear, all that stuff, uh, was awesome. (laughs) And, um, and then we go down the race course on, on the day of the final and we don't have our best row and, and then it's fourth place. And then it's like very different. Uh, it was, it was kind of a, frankly, it was a failure. I, I thought, I felt like it was a failure when I, crossed the finish line we were fourth because by all counts we could have meddled we had the personnel we had the power we had all this stuff the one stat that we didn't have was age and experience and that goes a long way yeah in the sport um but we were the youngest crew on average by like four or five years something it was like pretty substantial and when you have an average crew age of 26 maybe whatever we were 27 you know, that, that's a big difference and a lot of years on the international circuit. So, yeah. Um, so basically the next, 
week because rowing is a first half sport first first week sport and then the second week you just go to parties and like get your badge gets you in everywhere and okay um still went to a few parties and, and went to some events and saw usain bolt run the four by one or four oh, by yeah. two or whatever it was he was running super cool um did some fun stuff like that but ultimately i walked out of there feeling pretty miserable frankly mm. okay wow Man, I mean, you guys, I think if I read it right, you were only like three seconds behind the third place, uh, you know, boat there. And I mean, for you guys being as young as you were out there, you guys did awesome. So I'm proud of yeah, you, man. Thank yeah. you so much for out for well, going out there and doing that, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And that that's the thing of like, at that level, it's a couple seconds, it's a couple percent here and there. And at yeah. that, at the speed the boat's going, three seconds feels like a really long way because that's a lot of ground to make up because the boats are going real fast right but uh but yeah man it was it was a it was an awesome experience and you know fast forward i i kind of worked out of that funk through some therapy and some other stuff and and now view it very differently than i did when it was fresh in right. in that moment yeah well i mean being an olympic athlete you you are literally the best of the best how do you train mentally for that experience there's a couple things. I mean, number one is um, knowing that there's almost nothing that's going to prepare you for it and you have to just sort of take it in stride. Yeah. But beyond that, beyond the stuff you can't control, it's it's being as prepared as you possibly can and knowing that you really turned over every stone uh, to, to put yourself in a position to perform well when it matters. Because you get three races down the race course and, it, and that third one's the one that obviously matters the most. So it's not like you're, you're playing, you know, multiple games and you can have a redemption round and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't, it's not, you know, that's not how it is. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's the combination of knowing you left nothing to in your training and the lead up and then, um, and then knowing, you know, yourself when it comes to those pressure moments and the, on the day, like I, my, my brother-in-law, um, is not like a huge athlete himself, huge sports fan, but not an athlete. And he got yeah. into disc golf recently and he went and did his first competition and he calls us after he goes, I can't believe you guys competed on that level you did because I was so nervous for this like local disc golf competition. <laughs> like, how did you handle that? Like, yeah. how did you work through it? And then the answer was the pressure never goes away. The like butterflies, they don't go away. You just get better at like performing when that feeling comes yeah and like that was the biggest thing that i was always focused on is like i'm not going to get rid of the butterflies so i got to channel them and get them going like in fact the butterflies are a good thing they are you know so it's like retraining my brain to uh what what it all means basically yeah wow man so awesome. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, starting with Rewebbed. They are the best digital marketing agency on the planet. I love working with those guys. Founded by a guy named Ian Inman. He's on a mission to feed 1 billion kids and help 1 million entrepreneurs. Go check them out, tell them I sent you. Alpha Outpost, amazing monthly subscription box sent right to your door every single month. You can start for five bucks. They send you cool stuff like this. Go use the code TOPRATINGMMA for 15% off your order. Every time that I have a guest on my show, they say that's an amazing flag. Well, this flag here and many others that I own are from a company called Combat Flags. It's a veteran-owned company. They're on a mission to donate as much money as they can to stop soldier suicide. It's an amazing organization. Go check them out, Combat Flags. I want to do a shift to real estate sort of, sort of stuff here. You're the top 2% real estate agents in the East Bay, top 10% in all of Northern California. Congratulations, by the way. That's awesome. 
why did you decide to get into real estate and you know, what's you. the market look like down where you're at? Yeah, man. Uh, market is strong right now, but um, you know, there's a variety of people in my YouTube comments who would, who would disagree <laughs> with the reason for that. Sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, uh, the reason I got in. Um, so when I was training for the Olympics, I was really like full time from, from 2013 to 2016 and then work and friends were second place. And we would go down to these training camps down in San Diego and we needed to do Airbnbs to, to train uh, or to live in because the Olympic training center was full or whatever. Yeah. And so I, we, we found an Airbnb for this couple who um, long story short was living in the space while we were also living in the space. They had a really nice big house. So it worked. And um, I started talking to them because they had tile samples out on their counters and they were like home during the day and he was training for an iron man oh wow and i was like what do you guys do <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this lifestyle looks pretty good yeah and um he's like oh we're in real estate and we also flip houses and i was like interesting because i was always interested in real estate i had a huge background more on the commercial side with yeah. my dad and then my mom's uh grandfather and some of her my uncles anyways i always knew that that was somewhere i wanted to explore so after Rio, stayed close with these guys, these Airbnbs, Airbnb hosts, Car and Christian, and um, they just said, "Come down to San Diego. We want to talk to you about, about our business and, and you know see if this might be something for you." So at the end of those two days, we just decided, like, "Yeah, let's give this a shot. Let's see what we can make happen here," and and that was my entry officially and formally into real estate was being a team leader for a satellite office using all of their San Diego backend and VAs and all that stuff just up here in the Bay area. Gotcha. Wow, man. Yeah. I'm always intrigued by real estate. I've never, I've never been good with testing. So I'm always, I'm afraid to go and take the test because I'm afraid yeah. to go and fail on that. But um, I think that's so cool. And where I'm, where I'm at up in Coeur d'Alene, we're seeing this just massive influx of out-of-staters. My buddy who does real estate up here, I think he sold 40 houses or 40 plus houses here in 2020. And 80% of those guys were from out-of-state. Mm -hmm. I mean, where do you see this market going? And I've heard people say there's a bubble. Is there a bubble or is there not a bubble? Like, where do you see this market going? That's well, interesting. I just did, I said YouTube and I just released a video about the bubble and at least yeah. locally speaking, I don't, I don't see it as a bubble, Yeah. Um, but that also depends on your definition of bubble. I think people interpret those differently. Right. Um, but the, you know, it's, it's so hard to say because there's, it's, it comes down to supply and demand locally and then at a, at a large level. Like, yeah, people are leaving the Bay Area. That's grabbing all the headlines. Yeah. But we're still gaining population on a net basis. Like, there are we are at the highest level of people selling their homes and leaving the state entirely as wow. we've ever been um, here in California. And so, but, but you know, it, population growth vis-a-vis jo -vis jobs are still really strong and really keeping our population growing, not to mention the fact that we have such a population surplus um, yeah. just from the last 10 years of tech growth here <laughs> right. locally that it is that there's kind of an overflow. Um, and, and I think the, the COVID thing is really a big X factor that it has to be factored in at least to the real estate um, housing market sure. and probably to all the markets. But it's like the way people all over the last six to eight months reassessed what their life 
needed to look like and what what their priorities were and like there's a lot of people like it's it's a fast-paced lifestyle here in the bay Area. there's traffic there's a lot going on all the time like that if you don't have to be in an office all of a sudden you know there are a lot of beautiful places where you can go work remotely right. in markets like tahoe or uh you know idaho or you know nevada or wherever um now that people can be remote i have clients who are moving to portland Okay. Um, early next year, you know, stuff like that. Like people are really reassessing what their lives can, what their lives can look like as a result. And I think that is, aside from all the like the job growth and all that other stuff, is one of the biggest factors that can't be spreadsheet. And that's the one that I'm noticing is the biggest one right now. Interesting. So interesting. Um, I want to talk about your podcast because you have this awesome podcast called Another Way to Play. Uh, I had the pleasure and honor of being on your show, man. And you really yeah. highlight some amazing guests on there. Uh, but why Thank did you, you decide to start this thing? And, and for those who don't know, what's your show about? Yeah. So actually, since you've been on it, we sort of retooled it just a little bit. Same title, still called Another Way to Play. You can find it obviously anywhere that you're listening to this show. Yeah. Um, but it's I've, I've noticed you and a lot of the other guests that I had on um, talked about their mindset, not necessarily directly, but yeah. that was a theme that ran through the first hundred and something episodes. Nice. And so I realized like, okay, there's a topic here that I, 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 I'm personally interested in and I can imagine others would be. So I try and um, focus more on how people develop their mindset, the stories, the anecdotes, the the lessons that they learned along their path to like alter their mindset, whether it was looking at, you know, the way their, their failure as an Olympian, um, turning that into a blip on the radar and part of their process as a part of the whole process in my case, or, you know, whatever it is. And, and that is really at its core, what I try and get to. And, you know, the 30 ish minutes that those podcast episodes run. Yeah. Oh man. So cool, dude. Uh, I love, I was looking at your website and you have this thing on your website that really just kind of stuck out to me, but you say, I'm fascinated by the constant pursuit of excellence. I love this, mm. man. And, and you've competed in the Olympics. You're a very successful real estate agent. You have this podcast, but what are you pursuing now? It's continued pursuit of excellence as a, as a real estate agent. Um, and as a business person in general, I'm in, I'm involved in another venture that is podcast related called Streamline Podcasts. And that's, that's been a lot of fun and, and just learning, you know, how to manage a team, how to work with people overseas, how to like manage clients in a different way. Cause these are, you know, $200 transactions as opposed to, you know, multi-million dollar transactions that I'm doing as a real estate agent. So right. it's so, so really that. And then aside from this, I was actually asked this question, I think last week on an interview and he was talking about like, how did being a competitive athlete help you in the real estate world and did it ever hurt you? Right. And so one of the things I've really started to, to do, and I've done it almost every day, definitely not every day, but I've started a meditation practice. And that's for me trying to be as mindful and present as I can. And then having as positive of an attitude as I possibly can relative to um, what is here and in front of me. And, and then unpacking some of like the past stuff that I've like shoved down and, and I'm trying to ignore and that sort of thing. So, you know, that is sort of my pursuit of excellence is really getting myself to a level that I'm um, happy with because I'm not competing directly against anyone in for gold medal anymore. So now 
it's like how do I how do I make sense of the world when my my life was that way before? So so that's a big one that I'm focused on at the moment. Yeah, sweet dude. Uh, last question for you. I always love to end my shows with kind of the fun question, but I'm a music guy. But what's a favorite type of music, or do you have a favorite band that you like to listen to? Dude, um, growing up, we did not listen to a lot of music, so I didn't get that bone. But I do okay. have. A, I, I like to think of myself as having a rhythm um, <laughs> on the drums or whatever. Once in a while, I'm not yeah. particularly good, but you know, I, I love country music generally okay. speaking. Yeah. Um, and, and anytime that comes on, I always feel good. And then, and then if I'm lifting, you know, I'll put on, uh, you know, something more like Metallica, Rage Against the Machine, that sort of thing. Um, but nice. there is a soft spot in my heart for, you know, the, the Blink 182 and Sublime from my childhood. <laughs> so I've got a little bit of that in there too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's perfect, man. Absolutely. I wish Sublime was still around, man. Bradley was such a great guy, man. And, uh, but, uh, man, if, if he was still alive, he'd be kicking some butt, man. Um, man, Hans, this was such an honor. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and coming on my show, sharing your story, man. I think you're an absolute world changer, man. I think you're kicking butt in real estate, man. And, and just so appreciate you coming on, man. Dude, I really appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for watching the show today. I so appreciate it. Please leave a comment down below. Leave us a review. Share this video. We want to get it in front of as many people as we can. I'm going to continue to bring on the best guests possible from world changers, entrepreneurs, success-minded people. We are creating visionaries here on this channel. Thank you so much for checking it out. Have an awesome day.